What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Mullet Cast, the podcast where business and pleasure collide. My name is Evan Balmer. Follow me on Instagram at Evan Balmer. Today, I'm joined by Kalina Leopold. Kalina is a coach out of Austin, Texas. Uh, check her out at kalinaleopold.com and across every platform, Instagram, Facebook, etc., at Kalina Leopold. Her Facebook business page is Kalina Leopold Coaching. Um, I'm told she's the only one on the internet and the only one on Facebook, which is like, we should call Guinness probably. Like there probably aren't too many people like you. Um, I'll spell that real quick for everyone, Kalina. Kalina is K-A-L-I-N-A, Leopold, L-E-O-P-O-L-D. What's going on, Kalina? How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me. You did a fantastic job spelling my name. I appreciate that. Sweet. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was a pretty wild thing when I first started Googling my name and searching um, to find out that there was literally no other person on the planet that I could find with my name. Um. I, you know, obviously the name Kalina is not a very common name. I grew up not ever meeting another Kalina. I had only heard of one, actually the princess of Bulgaria when I was growing up. Her name was also Kalina. Oh, wow. <laughs> I missed it. Um, it took me until I was 36 years old to meet the first Kalina. And that Kalina actually shared my same birthday, which was Super free. No way. That is weird. <laughs> yeah. That's really weird. Super weird. And um, and then I met one other Kalina who spelled her name similarly, um, but slightly different. Um, and that's it. I've never actually met any others, just the two. That's wild. It's funny. Like, I remember this takes me back to like second grade and like where you want to fit in. And I remember like going to a new school and being the only Evan and I hated it. Like, I hated my name. I wanted like to come up with some nickname or something. Um, and then later you appreciate being like, you know, not one of many in ways, you know, of course, then there was this phase where like somehow for, I don't know why Evan became popular at some point. And then suddenly I knew a million Evans, you know, like never before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that totally resonates with me. You know, I grew up, I was born at the end of 1980. So I grew up in the eighties and became an adolescent in the nineties. And, you know, I, I desperately wanted to be like a Jennifer or an Amanda, you know, it seemed like everybody had those names. Right. And then in high school, I was like, wait, this is kind of like being like Madonna or like Cher. Like no one even knows my last name. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like I would literally meet people and they'd be like, they'd see my last name and they'd be like, Oh, that's your last name. That's I, had no really <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had one. That's crazy. That's, that's cool. Right. Yeah. So, uh, where did yeah. you grow up? You're not from Texas originally, or are you? That's correct. Yeah, I'm not from Texas originally. So, I was I was born in New York. Mm -hmm. um, we lived in San Francisco for a little bit. And that's where my younger brother was born. Uh, but all of my formative years were spent in South Florida, um, in a city called Coral Springs, which is a suburb of Fort Lauderdale. Um, so, that was... It was interesting. Coral Springs... I grew up in... A, like a really small town. We didn't lock our doors. Um, you know, everybody knew you. You couldn't mess up on the block. Somebody's parents were going to reprimand you and then tell your parents. So I had this very um, kind of picturesque childhood, even though 
I didn't really see it that way, right? Because we kind of, mm. I was like the kid from the wrong side of the tracks, right? Because we grew up on like the poor street in the middle of like a very affluent neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but even on the poorest street in the neighborhood, we didn't knock our doors. So there you go. That tells right. you a little bit about what it was like. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. yeah. Yeah. And then I lived in New York for about 10 years. And last summer we moved here to Austin. So now I live out in Hill Country. That's cool. How was the transition from New York to Austin? It was interesting. Um, We were, you know, we were traveling back and forth for work quite a bit. So we actually said goodbye to the city in the middle of this pandemic, which was surprisingly heartbreaking for me. I like cried. I was so sad. Right. Um, New York City for me kind of always represented, it was always the place that I wanted to get back to. um, And it was always the place that I was afraid to go. So I spent kind of all of my 20s being like, I got to get back to New York. I don't want to die in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) I got to get out. And uh, and I finally did um, right after I turned 29. And, you know, I... I kind of feel like my whole life opened up once I moved to New York. I started experiencing so many different things that I hadn't experienced in South Florida. My mind was open to so many different perspectives that, you know, just hadn't been in Florida. You know, it's a very isolated, kind of insulated community, even in Fort Lauderdale where there's so much tourism. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I really credit the city for kind of helping me reclaim my life in many ways. Right. Yeah. So for a time you were working in uh, the legal profession. Um, Was that what you did the whole time you were in New York? That's correct. Yeah. Um, So fun fact about me, I was a bartender for a really long time. Um, That's how I made my way through college and uh, was something I always fell back on in in my 20s. Um, And I was in digital media in South Florida Mm -hmm. before I moved to New York. And when I got to New York, I was unsure about where my life was going to go and what I wanted to do. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to bartend. I know I can do that. I'll make some money, meet some people. It'd be great. Right. Well, I wound up getting a bartending job uh, at this spot in Midtown that just happened to be below an e-discovery vendor. And for your listeners who don't know what (laughs) e-discovery is, it stands for electronic discovery. It is what, um, you know, it is the digital form of of document review right. for attorneys. And so, you know, the sales guys and the project managers would all come down uh, to have drinks after work. And then they started to get to know me and the sales manager offered me a job. And that's how I got into legal technology. That's so funny. Like, I love uh, how people fall into stuff. I talked to a judge one time, like uh, while I was in school and he he was like, a, I don't even know. He's like a federal circuit judge or something. And so we're talking to him and his whole career had been in medical malpractice. And so we asked him like how he got into it. And he's like, he just like, he was this old guy and he just looks at us and he goes, serendipity, pure serendipity. <laughs> so I always love that description, <laughs> but I love how people fall into stuff because like in my wildest dreams, I would never assume you got into e-discovery because you were bartending in Midtown and below a like e-discovery shop, you know? So that's funny. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So what was that career like for you? You know, it was great. Um, <clears throat> it, it was, 
it's it's such an interesting field and it's such like a niche industry as well right like I had no idea that it existed till I got into it and then once I learned about it I was like oh this makes total sense mm-hmm. right all this software for attorneys um <clears throat> it was where I really built my success um you know I think for a long time in my 20s so I'm one of these people who's, who's who never really knew what she wanted to be when she grew up so I've tried almost everything right um just to experience it and I kind of carried a lot of shame around not being quote unquote successful. And so I, when I, when I was introduced to e-discovery and legal technology, I was like, okay, you know, I've been, I was a bartender for a long time. I can do sales. I can learn this stuff. I can educate myself. And, um, even if I don't feel super fulfilled, at least I'm successful. Mm. And so I met a lot of wonderful people. I met my partner in eDiscovery. He and I were working at the same company. Um, So I do think that that was very serendipitous because I never would have met him. So many things had to happen for me to meet him in that one particular moment in time. But, um, you know, it allowed, it freed, I, I say this a lot. It allowed me to reach a certain level of success where my hierarchy of needs were covered in such a way that I could start to actually work on myself Mm. and start to generate self-awareness. This is when, this is the time in my life when I started seeing a therapist and becoming a social activist and started getting really present to my privilege. And uh, a lot of the ideas that I had in Florida that, like I said, were very like insulated were kind of blown apart in New York city. And so much of my twenties was spent, worried about how am I going to pay my rent and how am I going to take care of this dentist bill that I never really had the time to think about how do I feel about my life, right? Like who am I as a person? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm very grateful for that career because it really, it allowed me a level of comfort, which created that space for self-reflection. So is, I mean, that's interesting. Like, um, I'm on this sort of weird discovery path with you in a lot of ways, like we met in a coaching program. Right. Um, so I'm amazed. Like I saw something on your, a couple things I'll share real quick and hopefully I don't go off on some weird tangent. We end up right back where we were, but I'll probably forget where we were. But I, I wanted to say like on your website, I noticed it starts out. It says I'm joyful, wise, reliable, and full of heart. So I want people to know that about you. Um, because I think that is true. And then I thought it was interesting that said, One other thing people will tell you is that you always land on your feet and you know, because you actually asked people, right? So I, I think that's, what's interesting about this whole like coaching program and the people like I'm meeting is people are like doing things that other people don't take the time to do, right? It's like looking within, asking those types of questions, like asking people about, um, you know, what is it? Tell me about myself, you know, and like normal people, I guess, or like the average person, they don't do these things, you know? So you're on this kind of self discovery path, which I think is, you know, totally cool. Um, and where does that take you then as you're now you're in a position where you can have this reflection, like get to know yourself, like answer those questions, like what is my purpose, those kind of things. And like, where does that lead you? 
Yeah, so it it led me to feeling crazy unfulfilled. <laughs> like, so, you know, while I'm on this journey, I'm in a relationship. And the assumption in the relationship before I met my current partner is, well, we're, you know, we're at that age, so I guess we're probably going to get married, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're probably going to be the one. And so simultaneously, like I said, I'm on this journey, and I'm preparing for this wedding. The wedding happens. It's not a great experience for me. And I have a hard time reconciling that. Right. And fast forward maybe like a year and my husband and I get divorced. Mm -hmm. And we get divorced because he didn't really want to get married and I felt trapped being married. Right. And so all of a sudden now I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, who am I? Mm. What just happened? Like I just spent almost two years planning this event that once it occurred, I was like, Oh my God, I don't want that. And so that is when I really, really got almost like, I wouldn't say harsh with myself, but I was just like, girl, you need to work some shit out. (laughs) Right? Right. Um, And as I'm doing that, I meet my current partner and she's kind of on like a similar journey. And so I started going to movement retreat. I got back into yoga. I started doing meditation. I started reading um, books like The Art of Work by Jeff Goins that really kind of expanded my mind on what income could look like and what fulfillment in work could look like. Mm -hmm. I started... um, I, I I took like emotional intelligence courses and tried to get really accepting of, you know, uh, my temper, right? And tried to figure out where that was coming from. Um, and <clears throat> ultimately, it led me to to realize just how unfulfilled I was in my career, and um, and so that's when that's when I hired a coach. Mm. So I was like, I think I need a life coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and shortly after I started working with her, I was like, oh man, I've gotten so much farther working with a coach than I, not that I didn't get really far in therapy. I did. It helped me deal with a lot of past trauma and Mm. anger. Um, But once I started working with a coach, I almost felt, like this calling to to share that experience with others mm. and then i think that's kind of that's how we met <laughs> right it's crazy yeah. it really is um yeah so you never anticipated that being a coach would be like something that would fall into place for you right I did not know and like honestly before before the light bulb went off in my head I mean, I had had people tell me that I should be a coach for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think I was coaching a lot. I mean, even in my sales career, um, in, in e-discovery, so much of my role was holding space for difficult conversations, making sure that, that you know, helping people to not go off the rails, even though what was happening might be upsetting, right? Because let's be real, in any industry, um, Errors are going to occur. Problems are going to happen. Mm-hmm. But when you have a multi-million dollar K 
case that's being, you know, litigated over sometimes decades, um, you know, tiny, seemingly tiny little problems can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And trying to talk to attorneys about those situations can be difficult. Right. And I'm even <laughs> laughing because your client that you could potentially screw up for or like obviously very litigious people. Right? So it's, not like, yeah. <laughs> it's not like a stretch to imagine like, you know, uh, problems right. could escalate quickly, you know? Right. Totally. And, you know, I built my business on being this responsible person. You know, mm -hmm. I built all of my relationships with my clients on, you can trust me mm -hmm. because I'm going to care about you and I'm going to care about your projects. I mean, my, my specialty was um, reversing accounts that had gone really, really bad. I mean, one of my biggest uh, right. clients, when I first met him, he was like, just so you know, I'm never sending your company work ever again. <laughs> right. And he, six months later, he was like my biggest client. That's cool. So when stuff would go wrong, I, was, I needed to be there to facilitate those conversations. I definitely wasn't there to be the subject matter expert, mm -hmm. right? Because I wasn't processing the data. I wasn't project managing. Um, and so my role was to, you know, in, in coaching, right, you know, we say like hold space and to stay true to our commitments, right? So um, the more training I receive, the more clients I work with, the more I see that this is really intrinsic to work that I was doing. I just didn't have that name for it. Mm, right. And you're kind of like finding this all out on your own, right? It's not like the e-discovery company is like teaching you these things. Or were right. they? Yeah. So yeah. it's like part of your own discovery and you're sort of piecing it all together, which is interesting. Um, so how do you get, you know, when you're left feeling unfulfilled with that career, how do you get out of it? Right. That's a great question. So... Um, <clears throat> I started a side hustle a few years ago. Um, this is super random, but I, because my, my boyfriend is a divorced dad, he started a divorced dad group in Park Slope in Brooklyn where we live. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started working with those dads because they were, they were moving out of their marital homes. They had been living in a relationship that, uh, for as progressive as they were, still was very much, you know, uh, went along the lines of traditional gender roles. Mm -hmm. And so here were these dads trying to find a new apartment, trying to decorate it and furnish it for their small children, knowing that their wife used to do all of those things. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, I saw this opportunity to help them um, because I, you know, I'm, I'm a very organized person, or at least I was before I moved in with my boyfriend who has two kids. <laughs> and, um, and I'm also, you know, another thing that people will tell you about me is that I mobilize really quickly. So if you give me some a, a challenge or a problem to solve, mm -hmm. I will come up with a solution and then start to put it in place like as quickly as you want me to. Um, so I started working with those dads and helping them out helping them to get organized, helping them to find furniture for their children. Um, and then we moved to Austin and I was like, oh my God, like, uh, I was like excited and I was nervous. And the company that I was at had been okay with me moving until I got here. And then they were like, 
listen, we're really sorry, but you know, we, we, this is really not okay with us anymore. We know we said it was, you know, uh, how can we part ways? Right. So, um, I took it as a sign that the universe was telling me I should go and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to make a long story even longer, I, I went full hog on starting this organization business. Mm-hmm. And then a few months into it, you know, it was like, I mean, people were excited about it and I was, and I was really busy. And then I had this epiphany while working with my coach that part of my life vision is to be able to work from anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And yet I had started a company that tied me to a physical location. Right. Interesting. And it was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Right? And it was like, it was like, oh man, talk about the ways in which we inadvertently hold ourselves back. Right. Right? Right. So, um, so then I started focusing on coaching and then shortly thereafter that the pandemic started and I wasn't and all of my organizational projects uh, had to be canceled. Right. So, yeah. So here I am. It's crazy. So, I mean, you were, I mean, <laughs> <Life is insane. laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were like in a serious whirlwind there, like with everything, like, you know relocation job. Yeah, it's cool. No, it's not cool. Start a business. You're like core group of, you know, customers. You're now gone because you're in a different state. And then pandemic makes your business impossible. You know, I mean, I guess like you could be, you know, yeah, I don't know. I was, I, all I'm thinking of is you could do like a Marie Kondo and, you know, that would be a way to help people organize remotely or something. I don't know. But, um, so, so now you're also launching a new business um, without the benefit of being able to like be out and be around people in normal life and all that stuff. So, I mean, what's that like? Yeah. Uh, it's been interesting. It's been interesting finding my voice on social media because I never, before the pandemic started, I was on, I was on social, but I tried not to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like you said, I mean, I would just be out in the world meeting people, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and just getting to know them and talking to them. And so it was like, Oh, how do I do this online where, you know, who I am is so subjective because you're just reading words. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're, you're emoting into what you're reading. And so, it was like, how do I project who I actually am? And so then um, I started doing live videos. Mm. And my first live videos were just hour-long stream of consciousness while I hiked in like the green belt behind my house. And people were into it. Really? That's cool. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's really Yeah, funny. so I started doing that. Yeah, and like, and um, so I've, I also have kind of learned this new way of engaging with people online. Mm-hmm. And so that's been really interesting. Right. But yeah, um, but to your point of like, I was kind of in a whirlwind. I think that that's, that is, that is exactly why people say I always land on my feet. Mm. Because I might have a down day. I mean, I have down days quite a bit, right? Where 
you know, I don't feel great or I'm stuck in my story and I'm just telling myself how this is never going to work and I'm Mm -hmm. so upset. And then, you know, I wake up the next morning and I'm like, ah, maybe it'll work. Okay, something else, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's what's funny, right, is like in our own heads, like, we have all of these things, right? Like, oh, there's so much turmoil going on, this, that, and the other. But the way you look to other people is completely different, right? Like, my impression of you was um, that you made career choices, got out of you, discuss- like, everything seemed very planned. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, I would never know you had, like, all of these things going against you because, like, you know, you're going to, you know, it's not even like you had to land on your feet, like you're smooth going through the process as far as I can tell, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it is interesting. And then you never know that if you never ask people, right? That's the other point of the whole thing. Like, I guess you just stay stuck in your own story or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because um, <clears throat> that is exactly why I started my podcast, right? Which actually dropped. Um, today, although obviously this won't air the same day, right? <laughs> um, but that's that's why I started it because you know I've been wanting to kind of do something creative like this for a while, mm-hmm. and I so often find myself meeting someone new, and they they're you know you're you're conversating and you're talking about this that and the other thing, and then they'll share some little tidbit, just one little sentence about some interesting thing that they did or some perspective that they have. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm always like, man, I want to go down that road. Like, I want to know what that's all about. Right. I want to hear that story. And so I started this podcast as a way to, to do that and share that with the world. Um, because I think that's so, I mean, I've just met so many different people who you would not expect you know, X, Y, Z to come out of their mouth and you're like, wait, you, you did that? Right. Oh my God, that's crazy. Tell me more about it. Totally. You know? <laughs> so your podcast is called the judge free zone, right? That's right. And yeah, people thank you. grab it on your website. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. I, I, yeah. I had considered like creating a whole other website and like social media for it, but mm. I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't want to do it. So. <laughs> I think I'm just going to promote it through through the social media accounts I already have. I know. Sometimes it's like overkill, right? It's like too much, especially like, you know, I find myself doing a million different things. So it's like, it's like, you know, if you start a social account, every time you do something, you'll drive yourself crazy. And I figured like, it's all, yeah. it's all part of you, right? So like your website should be the central hub for anything you're doing. I think that's cool. Um, and like, I like what I find interesting too about podcasts is similar to you. Like everyone has some really interesting story, right? Like that's what I found. Like no matter, like I could have some weird judgment and one guy in particular was coming to mind that I did an interview with a long time ago. And I was like, uh, this is, this one's going to be super boring. Um, because I didn't know anything about him, but like the story was crazy. Like the stuff he told me, like it was, uh, it was like one of the most comical entertaining ones ever. And it's just, I had no, so it's like everyone, like everyone's story is interesting, you know, and there's something to get out of everyone's story. I think that's cool. I think that's, what's become cool about podcasting in general. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm kind of like a podcast junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many podcasts that I love, 
And I've learned so much from listening to various podcasts that, yeah, I needed to throw my hat in that ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Cool. I was like, I got to do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you used to have a different podcast that's off the air now, right? You were doing one already. That's true. Uh, my best friend and I, I had been needling her for, I don't know, probably a couple of years at, at this point to do a podcast with me. Um, and I kept throwing out like all these really great reasons. And then finally I was just like, but we have good podcasting voices. Like, you know, it'll be great. You sound great. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then the pandemic happened and I was like, girl, you have no more excuses. You got nothing better to do. Like, let's do it. And, um, I think we recorded about eight episodes. We aired maybe three of them. And, and she, she just kind of called me up and she was like, here's the deal. I don't, I really don't want to do this. Mm, right. <laughs> and, and she was like, you know, cause it was a lot of fun for us. Um, but she was like, it's not really resonating with me and, and, and uh, with her and her career. And I was like, you know, I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we just, we, yeah, we kind of buried it. We were like, that's all right. No one needs to listen to this anyway. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> all right. Well, people can start listening to the judge free zone. Um, I'll, I'll listen. I won't ask you anymore about your first episode. I look forward to checking it out when it hits later today. Um, I do want to ask Very you cool. something. I haven't gotten to read it yet, but I saw like right before we hopped on, I saw you posted, um, about a new blog post about finding your voice amid the uncertainty and uncomfortable situations going on in the world. So I, I'm going to go read it, but maybe you could tell us like, because I do know what you're doing behind the scenes um, or not behind the scenes. I know what our listeners don't know right now of things you're doing in, in life related to that. So do you want to talk about like the topic of your post, um, what you're doing to find your voice and what you mean by that? Yeah, thank you. Um, so the post is really about taking care of yourself so you can take care of others. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, being able to kind of take a step back and go, okay, what's important to me? What, you know, what is my voice? And right now with everything going on, um, in the world with the, the uprising of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I have really spent a lot of time reflecting on how I show up in the world. And so I thought that it, I'm having a hard time staying silent, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I've spent a lot of time, a long time in my life, believing that not my not being racist and my calling out racist things when I see them as racist was enough that, that I could, you know, influence my small corner of the world through my, through those behaviors, right. And through those actions. Mm -hmm. And what I'm starting to learn is that that is, that's not enough. And so I'm starting to get pretty vocal about just, the self-reflection required to, to identify what doing more would look like for each individual person. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And so, um, and I'm also trying to come from this place of, you know, no blame, no shame, no judgment. Um, we're all on different paths. We're all, you know, I mean, we're all just trying to figure it out. <laughs> I don't think anybody really has all the answers. I certainly don't. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think I'm just kind of at a point in my life where I'm like, if, if I, if not now, when? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm also, uh, you know, full disclosure, feeling incredibly vulnerable. And I'm just waiting for the wave of criticism because I'm sure that it's out there. Um, and I'm really just trying to use the my experience and the training and the skills that I have to help facilitate these conversations. Because mm. I just don't believe anything is really going to change until we can start talking about it and being okay with how uncomfortable we are when we talk about it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I love all of that. I mean, I think, um, the first thing you said was the one thing you can control is how you show up in the world. Right. So I think that's cool. Like as a starting point, right. You decide, do I show up like, um, you know, and I think I probably was one of those people also like, Oh, if I'm not racist, it kind of doesn't exist because maybe I don't see it every day or maybe I'm not around it, you know, but, um, so it is starting to talk about those, have those uncomfortable conversations, you know, and, and like, like you said, kind of, if you, you know, finding your voice, if you see it, say it sort of thing. And, but you're right. Like, you know, even throwing it out there to facilitate those conversations, you are opening yourself up a lot. Right. Cause it's, it's surprising. Like you can feel like you're on the right side of something, <laughs> but until you say it, you don't realize how many divergent opinions are out there. And like, you know, how impassioned people are about these things. So it's, it's tough. Um, yeah. So where are you like creating these conversations? Is it like something like online locally? Like what kind of stuff are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's both. Um, so I'm calling these conversations brave and uncomfortable. Mm. And, um, I had been calling them anti-racist workshops and it's been pointed out to me that maybe that is not actually, um, maybe that's not a moniker that's appropriate. Um, so I'm thinking about changing the kind of tagline or subtitle to be facilitated conversation, mm -hmm. right? Um, there seems to be a connotation to the phrase anti-racist workshop that signifies I might be teaching people something. And so, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I think that, listen, I, there are certainly people in this world who that I know more about this topic on and I can educate in some way. Um, but to your point about divergent um, opinions is if we really want to hold space for everyone to come together and talk, then we absolutely can't shame those that come to the circle. Mm. You know, one of the things, the realizations that I had years ago when I was kind of heavily into social activism um, and really got in touch with like my feminist side was if every time a man came up to me and asked me to explain misogyny or sexism, I, I bitched at him about <laughs> what a stupid ass he was. 
that really wasn't going to help at all, right? Mm. And it takes a lot of courage, especially as an adult, to go to a peer and say, I don't know the answer to this. I'd really like to know, can you help me? Mm. And so I... I want to be that catalyst, that conduit for these conversations to just like help to help them happen, right? That's why I say it's a facilitated conversation because I'm not there to teach. I'm not there to fix. I'm there to help that particular group of people navigate the questions and the experiences that they have. And when I say group of people, I mean, you know, white people. Mm. Right. Um, and so my, so my goal is to hold them online and to hold them locally. I've started to create those conversations here in my neighborhood because I live in a very white neighborhood. So there's a lot of culture shock coming from Brooklyn right. to where I live now, um, in the suburbs of Austin. Um, and so I started to put that out there into the world. Um, and also I want to be bringing in other guest leaders, I'm just trying to navigate that in a way that isn't tokenizing or burdensome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely see the need for other voices and for um, black and uh, people and people of color to be a part of these conversations as well. Um, so that's also like a really interesting, vulnerable place for me to be in because I don't know if I know how to ask a black person or a person of color who's already an expert in race relations to come join me without tokenizing them. There's a part of me that thinks maybe just the the act of asking them is somehow tokenizing them. So I'm really trying to work through, I mean, I feel uncomfortable just talking about it. I know, it's it's tough. You know? Right. Right. But I think that's kind of the point is the question that keeps coming up for me is why is it so uncomfortable? Mm. And the answer that keeps coming back to me is because we've been conditioned to believe that it is. And so I think that's, that's the place I'm coming from is, okay, let's get uncomfortable. Right. Let's get messy. Right, right, right. Yeah. And that goes back to like what you were talking about, about feminism is like, you know, getting messy is allowing a man to ask you about, you know, a question because you and I had a conversation the other day about blind spots. And this reminds me of that, right? It's like kind of everyone's figuring out what it is they may not see. And part of figuring that out is you're going to make mistakes asking. It's going to be uncomfortable to ask, you know, and you got to, you, you can't worry about, um, right. Like you said, you got to get messy. You know, I think that, that kind of sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get our hands dirty. And I'm the queen of putting my foot in my mouth. So this should get really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're going to throw it out there. She's coming from a good place. People give her a break, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for your brave and uncomfortable conversations, how do people get connected with that? Like through your online also? Through my website. Okay. Yeah. KalinaLeopold.com. Click on the link, work with me and uh, you can find information about brave and uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, I also too, I want to make 
these offerings very fluid. So um, for me, it's about any person who wants to come to me with interest in creating these conversations in their organization or their community group. Um, I really want to cater it to their size, uh, the size of their organization and understand fully what they're hoping to get out of it so that I can bring in um, other guest leaders and, you know, do breakout groups and really provide them the space that they need as well. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, All right. And then let's just touch on your, your coaching business a little bit. Um, What type of people are you currently working with? Who do you think would be people that would benefit from working with you? Um, Do you have any particular like specialties, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, So currently um, I kind of work with with all sorts of different people. I mean, I do have a one-on-one coaching program that is specifically geared towards women. Um, However, I, I also work with men too. I think really the type of people who want to work with me are people who are really sick and tired of the negative self-talk in their head. Mm -hmm. And they really, they've reached a place in their life where they have progressed as far as they can by themselves. And now they're ready to get vulnerable in front of someone else. Right. Um, The people I work with are all at a point in their life where it's kind of like shit or get off the pot. I've got to figure out how to navigate this for myself so I can show up for the other people in my life that I care about. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Um, All right. So I encourage people to find you online. Uh, KalinaLeopold.com is the the sort of hub for everything at Kalina Leopold and your um, coaching business on Facebook, Kalina Leopold Coaching, and get more info about that. Um, We'll wrap it up, I guess. I mean, the one thing I didn't say, which... It's funny you were talking about your organizational business and working with like divorced men and stuff is like I'm sort of in my post-divorce landing pad still. <laughs> and, like my kids were just here for like a day and a half. So like someone's supposed to stop by soon to pick me up. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I can't let him come inside when he, when he gets here. This place is a shit show right now. It's like, you know, kid stuff <laughs> everywhere. Like, you know, the the decorating is like uh you know, if I, if I couldn't get it on Amazon when I was moving in, I wasn't getting it kind of thing, you know, so it happens. So I could totally yeah. benefit from some guidance in that area also. It's really funny. Um, and just real quick, because the, the whole idea of the mullet cast was a combination of business and pleasure. Um, so we talked a lot a bit about your business side and everything. What do you like to do aside from hiking and, and in your free time? Um, how do you like unwind? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, too. Thank you for asking. Um, so I love to sing. I sing a lot. Um, I love singing karaoke. And um, I also really enjoy cooking. So I do that sometimes. My partner really likes to cook as well. Um, I'm an avid reader. I'm one of those people who has like five different books going at the same time. Mm. I don't know how I became that obnoxious person, but I am now. <laughs> right. um, and... Um, and I'm also learning to play the piano right now. So cool. That's the way I spend my time. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you have a go-to? Uh, what's your go-to karaoke jam? Oh, okay. So like my signature song is "Brass and Pocket" by The Pretenders. Uh, that's that's like one. the one I get a lot of requests for. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, Bobby McGee is starting to come up more and more these days. People really like when I sing that song. Um, 
And I also do a lot of Miranda Lambert because she's just like my favorite country artist of all time. I wish I wish her and I were like best friends. Yeah. I love her so much. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sweet. Can you? Uh, everyone's like pandemic is different in all parts of the country. So in Texas, can you get out and uh, do some karaoke right now, or is it still under wraps? You got any outdoor karaoke spots? You know, there are outdoor spots. I don't know if they're doing karaoke. I think yeah. sharing the mic, you know, if you like bring your own mic, maybe you could do it. <laughs> um, it's funny though. No, you're right. It's like, I have so many friends and family who are back in New York and they've been in their apartments for months. And right. here in Texas, um, especially out in Hill Country where we live, there are so many venues that are just wide open spaces. Mm. And so, um, yeah, they're all pretty open. We... Restaurants right now are allowed to be open at 75%. So we went out to a restaurant once, and then afterwards we were like, should we do that again? I don't know. (laughs) It's such a hard time. Like, no one knows the right answer. And, like, I never was a germaphobe, and I, like... You know, as soon as you said sharing the mic, it's just like, oh, you're right. Like, so gross. Like, there's so many things that are so creepy these days that you can't even imagine, like, how we used to live and how you get back to, like, just being around somebody. I mean, 75% sounds like a a big capacity. Right now, New Jersey um, is outdoor dining only. We're in that kind of phase. I don't don't even think. It's definitely not 75% capacity of the outdoor space. It's, like, real limited, and, you know, it's going to ease back in. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's tough. It's a weird time for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You gotta, you know, you host virtual karaoke parties over Zoom. That's right. You should throw one on there and let's see here you do some pretenders. Um, I look forward to it. and soon you'll be playing piano and singing, right? Yeah, that'll be cool. That is the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. One hundred percent. Awesome. All right, Kalina, I appreciate you joining me. Um once again follow at Kalina Leopold and KalinaLeopold.com. My name's Evan Balmer. Follow me on Instagram at Evan Balmer. Kalina, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. No problem. Have a good one.